It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, July 7th, 2021. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Sitka's COVID alert level shifted to high on Tuesday after local health officials tallied more cases over the long holiday weekend. Between June 29th and July 6th, the city reported 16 new coronavirus cases. The six newest cases reported on Monday and Tuesday included two patients between 10 and 19, two men in their 50s, one in his 60s, and one in his 70s. Contact tracing is in process for most of the new patients, so it's still unclear how they transmitted the virus. Three-quarters of the Sitka residents diagnosed in the last week with COVID-19 are male. In an email to KCAW, public health nurse Denise Ewing said the majority of patients diagnosed with the coronavirus over the last week were unvaccinated. Sitka shifts into high alert when 15 cases have been diagnosed over a rolling two-week period. Since June 22nd, 19 cases have been reported. Under high alert, the city recommends reducing gatherings to fewer than 50 people, maintaining social distance, masking in indoor and outdoor public spaces, and reducing restaurant and bar capacity. Last spring, when coronavirus first took hold, no one knew the extent to which people's lives and livelihoods would be upended. As the pandemic dragged on, taking many beloved businesses with it, the future remained unclear. However, among the many heartbreaking endings can be found a fair share of new beginnings. In part one of a series exploring the trials and unexpected triumphs of opening a business during the pandemic, KCAW's Tosh Kimmel spoke with Megan Cropley, who opened Sitka's only adult boutique, Pleasures All Mine, in the midst of the lockdown. Any business person will tell you that timing is important. For Megan Cropley, bad luck and bad timing were her first customers. So I had actually signed the lease um, before the pandemic really had started, but the day that I was supposed to open, the whole town shut down. So I actually like took it very well. I was like, okay, I have a few weeks. Let's just see what happens. I'm gonna take my time opening up. My partner had helped me build shelves and get a lot of the stuff in here. And um, we just took our time. And so I opened and then, you know, it was slow at first, maybe the first like week, but then I, utilized uh, social media and word of mouth and it kind of just exceeded my expectations from the very beginning. When I arrive at Pleasures All Mine, Cropley has just carried a shipment of new merchandise up the flight of stairs to her rather discreet second story storefront. She guides me around the store, a bright and airy space reminiscent of any small boutique, but instead of high-end lotion, the shelves are stocked with adult toys and body-safe lube. This is my store. Um, so this area is like the novelty items. At first I didn't really have many, but they ended up doing really well, especially during Christmas time, which was funny. Yeah, and I have a little selection of underwear. Um, lingerie does pretty well, and the bralettes probably do the best. People call this the kinky corner. You just really never know what anyone's going to be into. Cropley admits that the array of brightly colored and often oddly shaped merchandise, most of which I will leave to your imagination, can feel overwhelming. I remember walking into my first adult store and I was like, what is all this? Like, I had no idea. But Cropley's space feels welcoming, and she works diligently to keep it that way. I remember being nervous and I try to revert back to that and just, you know, read the person, be helpful, but let them browse if they want to. Um, It's okay to be nervous. They typically come back and and add a lot of toys to their collection really quick. (laughs) Despite being a relatively new business, 
Pleasure's All Mine has gone through many iterations. So I actually had sold my car and I saved that money um, to get this place started. And I started out very small. I've built this probably three, four times over since I've been open. I was actually looking at pictures from a year ago and I was like, oh my gosh, I just did it. I just, I opened, it was so empty. But it, it, it grew quick, which was nice. It's not the kind of business you'd expect to find in such a small community, let alone nestled in the center of downtown. But despite the taboos that come with owning an adult store, the response has been positive. There's not one set demographic. Everybody comes in here, and I love that. People have been extremely supportive and very accepting. I have people that come in every week since I've been open, and they say, thank you for being here. Despite the shiny facade of toys and accessories, Cropley is selling more than just eroticism. From keeping a diverse, inclusive, and ever-changing inventory to making sure all of her products are body safe, she's cultivating a safe space for people to explore their sexuality. I have a lot of good feedback, like you're so approachable and, um, you know, people come in and they talk about very intimate subjects and that makes me feel good that they can come to me and trust me with that kind of stuff, knowing that it's not going to go anywhere, um, and that I'm helping someone in that way. I think it takes a special person to do this kind of work. I think like adding spice to relationships is healthy and exploring your body is healthy, and I try to make it a very welcoming environment. I, I don't know, there's a lot of reasons why, why a store like this should exist and, and not have the taboo. Taboos aside, there is an important chapter in the story of her store's seemingly overnight success. Cropley has been quietly building her business for the past three years. She studied her market and identified a niche. Nothing about Pleasures All Mine, except for the pandemic, is an accident. You know, I, I started off by making an online site, and then I did pleasure parties where I'd go to people's houses. I got um, established that way, and people started inviting me to, like, events like the cabaret and I would have booths and so I did that for probably two to three years and then I just came down here on a whim. I had seen that this place was available and I came in I said I want this and pretty much signed the contract there. Along with understanding her market, Cropley understands herself. Many people see business opportunities but not everyone follows through. Cropley is candid that owning an adult boutique was never her dream. But success in business is also about knowing which ideas to pursue. Initially it came to me, I was watching Fifty Shades of Grey, and I was like, Sitka doesn't have a sex store. <laughs> and I kind of just rolled with it. I was working over at SAFE, the women's shelter, and I told all the advocates, I was like, I'm going to open a sex shop. And some of them chuckled, but they're like, if, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be you. The pandemic is easing in Sitka now. And hopefully, with the worst behind her, Cropley's business will grow even more. And the sales and the pleasure will be all hers. King salmon conversation concerns are not unique to southeast Alaska. On the Kenai River, anglers are allowed to catch and keep kings of any size, as long as they do it with a single unbaited hook. The state made that decision after analyzing the early king run on the Kenai in June. But sport fishing guides worry that taking big kings out of the river will hurt the population long term. They're asking anglers to release the large kings they catch anyway. KDLL's Sabine Pooks has more. Ben Moore is executive director of the Kenai River Sport Fishing Association. He says the department's plan is legal under the management plan, but he thinks it's too liberal given current conditions. Of course, we won't know more until the fish start to come in, but taking a precautionary approach and wanting to make the investment in the river 
is something that we take seriously. Early run numbers have been better this year than last. The sonar at mile 14 of the river counted over 4,000 kings in the early run. That falls within the department's optimal escapement goal of 3,900 to 6,600 kings. In that same period in 2020, the department counted 2,400 kings. Colton Lipka, area manager for the Northern Kenai Peninsula, says the early run numbers in part determine Fish and Game's management strategy for the late run. Lipka didn't have time for a phone interview Friday, but he said in an email the early run was close enough to the forecast, the department felt prohibiting bait while allowing the harvest of larger fish was a conservative enough measure to take. Moore says he worries projections for the late run are on the low end. The department estimates 18,400 kings will make it upriver to spawn. That falls within the department's optimal escapement goal of 15,000 kings, but it still places the run well below average. Escapement numbers in the last two years have been some of the worst on record. Even though the early run return uh, came in and they made their goal, uh, overall, you know, we're, we're still in a time of low abundance. Kenai River Sport Fishing Association, which Moore says doesn't usually involve itself in in-season management, isn't alone in asking anglers to take personal responsibility for the future of the fishery. The Kenai River Professional Guide Association is also asking guides to encourage clients to release large kings. So is Fish for the Future, a local group that's been asking anglers to return large kings to the river for years. Last year, Board of Fish introduced a new regulation that allows anglers to keep kings that are 34 inches long or smaller. The state opened the fishery with that strategy last July, but it ultimately closed the river to king salmon fishing completely, since neither the early or late run made escapement. Moore's an advocate for that rule, which he says strikes a good balance between conservative and liberal practices. Lipka says the department will change its regulations if in-season projections indicate that the river might not reach its escapement goal. But for now, guides like Moore are asking anglers to think about the future of the species. We're encouraging anglers to go out, fish, fish hard, but we're also encouraging folks that make sure that the fish you catch and keep and throw in the barbecue are the small ones and let the, let the big ones get up the river. The Kenai River late run started July 1st. For KDLL, I'm Sabine Pooks. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. And now taking a quick look at the weather for Sitka for Wednesday, July 7th, 2021. Today, mostly cloudy. Chance of rain. Highs 56 to 62. West winds around 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Slight chance of rain. Lows in the lower 50s. Southwest winds around 10 miles per hour. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy. Chance of rain showers. Highs in the upper 50s. Southwest winds around 10 miles per hour. Good morning. Good morning.